Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. I'm glad that you're here. And if we haven't met, my name is Keith. Uh, I have the privilege of serving here on the Dream Team. And if this is your first time with us today or one of your first few times, you'll see a little QR code in that chair back right in front of you. It says first time here. Take a moment, scan that code. We'd love to connect with you and stop by our welcome home area in the back uh, before you head out the doors because we've got a gift we want to give you. Well, today, everybody, I want to let you know that I am the guest preacher. I'm the guest preacher. I'll explain what that means in a minute. Uh, Joe Coyote uh, was scheduled to preach this morning. He was scheduled a couple months ago. And last night, his mom was in a very serious car accident. Um, Car just accordion closed. And so I was up with them at the hospital and uh, just drunk driver. Very, very uh, sad situation. Praise God, everybody. I want to read you the text I received this morning because at some point I said, dude, if I'm preaching for you, I got to go home and get started. So you're going to be fine. And he texted me this morning and said, God is amazing. They did every test, every scan, every check possible and came to the conclusion in the middle of the night. There was no reason to keep her overnight. She didn't have a single broken bone, no internal bleeding. He wrote, truly a miracle considering the severity of the accident. Just bruises, scratches. They said all the muscles are going to be sore and hurting for a bit. Family got home early, and Joe sent me a little zombie emoji. He said, I feel like a zombie, bro. But then he also said, we're, we're celebrating with House of Miracles this morning. They're worshiping God. So can we worship God right now with the Coyote family as they're, they're worshiping from their home this morning? And God is a God of miracles And so this morning, you're stuck with me, everybody. I'm sorry. And to our 11 o'clock, you're stuck with me via video because you're going to be getting a copy of this in just a few minutes. But really, I believe that God has a good plan for our church and our lives today. There's there's a reason God is always at work. And so I want to first say that as I share this message, if you hear anything you like, text Joe at some point and say, that was good. Uh, If you hear anything you disagree with, text Joe and say, that was a little hard, buddy. All right. And I'm just grateful for this opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus and also to honor Joe and all the prep that he did. He'll be preaching in the summertime. Uh, Here we are in the the Big Ten series. And guys, we're kind of on the tail end of this now. We're on Commandment 8, everybody. We got 8, 9, and 10. And uh, how many have been enjoying it so far? It's been a great series. Been learning a whole lot. Yeah, it's been awesome. And we've been saying this every week, and this week's no different. The reason why... We have this series set aside for these 10 weeks is because we believe the 10 commandments reveal the heart of God and reflect the Christian life. In fact, say that with me. Come on, let's get it in our hearts. The 10 commandments reveal the heart of God and reflect the Christian life. Simply, the 10 commandments show us who God is because we're all created to know God. And then it shows us how we're supposed to live once we know him, the Christian life. And today, the Eighth Commandment is no different. It's going to show us a little bit of God and show us how we are to live. So let me give it to you right now. Here it is, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Everybody good with that? We can go home early? I don't think so. In fact, let's say it together. It's so short. Come on. You shall not steal. 
You know, we live in a world where stealing is prevalent and it's also very vast in the ways that we might steal. Let me just share with you what this meant in the Old Testament and then we'll bring it home to 2022 where we might find ourselves stealing. You know, in the Old Testament, you might see stealing as moving property boundaries in order to get more land. And how many know if you try to do that today, Brookhaven's gonna find out, everybody. You got unclaimed land next to you. Maybe I could just move my fence over a little bit. After all, I'm dumping my leaves on this side. It's basically mine. They'll find out, all right? I'm speaking from experience. Uh, In the Old Testament, using false measurements in the marketplace. You know, the the marketplace was a place where you exchanged goods. It was a bartering system. So you you may weigh your goat down a little bit more with some extra extra clothes that day and say, no, this goat's worth 50 pounds or so. Uh, You're stealing. Old Testament, uh, and very seriously, we see in the Old Testament, there was stealing of kidnapping, which still exists today, human trafficking and and taking. Generally, in the Old Testament, though, we find that stealing has a lot to do with our hands and possessions, physically taking something we can hold. Now, today, you and I would both agree that stealing is way more than just physical things. Anybody ever had their debit card or credit card stolen before? I know the story. Anybody ever like that experience? No, maybe some of you, you've had identity theft before, right? It wasn't physical, but man, it hurt. Felt the sting of it. I remember one morning a few years back where I woke up and I had all these emails from iTunes of purchases that I made. I didn't make those purchases, everybody. I mean, I had an issue with in-app purchases at the time, but I know I was not spending thousands of dollars. And uh, I I just found out that my password had been hacked, my account had been hacked, and someone continents away was making purchases on my behalf. God bless them. The scary part was at that time, my password was the same for my iTunes as it was for everything else. And so I quickly started changing passwords, and now I'm in a place where I don't remember most of my passwords on most days, but I know I'm safe and secure, even from myself, of getting in there. I won't steal from me. But if you've ever been stolen from before, you know that it feels violating. It feels frustrating. It feels upsetting. Maybe for you, it wasn't something digitally like that, but an employer promised you a certain amount of pay and you didn't receive that pay at the job. Maybe as an employee, your employer expects you to do your job and you out there taking three-hour lunch breaks. It's time stealing. It's It's theft. Maybe it's stealing someone's idea. You get wind of somebody at your company who has a good idea and it's going to help them along and you bring it to the boss first. Guys, this is the way that stealing happens. Remember, today it's way more prevalent than just boundary markers and a marketplace exchange. And then, of course, there's the digital one. Downloading and stealing things that we don't pay for. Anyone remember when the internet first happened at home? Can I, be, can I confess a little bit to you guys today? And those of you that know me well, you know exactly where I'm going with this if you've been in my life for more than a decade. I got some confessing to do. When the internet first came into homes and a little thing called Napster and LimeWire emerged on the scene, some of you are nodding because you're honest people this morning. I, I mean, any movie I wanted, any book I wanted, any image I wanted, anything, I could get it. And it was so justifiable because, hey, everyone's doing it. Guys, that is stealing. Like, let's just, let's just come to terms with this idea of stealing. Stealing at its basic term is taking something that is not yours. Whether it's an idea, it's a possession, it's time. You are expected to do something. You're expected to live with integrity. And yet, you take. And I take. 
Now, with that kind of an idea, I want to talk more about the attitude than just the action of stealing. Because isn't that what we've done throughout the Big Ten series? We, we can understand, and guys, if you, didn't, if you didn't pick up on this yet, the Ten Commandments are not a behavior-shaping tool for us. Jesus didn't come to this world to just shape our behavior. Meaning, oh, on the surface, I won't steal. No, Jesus is going to say, what's the attitude of your heart? Right? We talked about it last week when we covered do not commit adultery. We found that that's way more than just the physical action. It's an attitude of the heart. Well, the same is true for stealing. So we have to ask, what is the heart attitude when it comes to stealing? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? What's our motivation? Think about this. When you take something that's not yours, when you steal What we're saying is, I need this, I need this, and I don't care about the means by which I get it. Isn't that it? That's the attitude that's there. I need this. We might justify it. Uh, We might say, well, it's it's actually right for me to steal in this way. Can can I give you an example that might step on your toes when it comes time to report our income at tax season? We say, well, they already take so much anyway, so it's their fault that I'm not reporting this amount of money. Well, what's our attitude there? I'll do whatever it takes for me. See, let me me give you this. Let me give you what Joe's going to give you this morning. Remember, if you don't like this, tell him. Joe says that, I'm throwing you under the bus right now, buddy. Joe says that stealing is having a consumer mindset. Look at that. Stealing is having a consumer mindset. And when a consumer mindset is how we operate on a daily basis, we will often be more focused on ourselves, our desires, and our own gratification. But isn't that true? That, that's the heart of a, of a thief. I'm all in it for me. In fact, we might boil that down to this simple word. It's all about who? Me. Let's say it together. It'll feel good for you to say it. Let's just get it out to the air right now. Come on, say it with me, everybody. It's all about me. Some of you have thought that for years and you've never verbalized it. Don't you feel a little good now? Confession's good for the soul. Well, it's all about me. Consuming leads us down a rabbit hole of selfishness, lack of contentment, lack of awareness of the consequences that it has on others. It's all about me. And think about it, we can all relate to that this morning because that is the narrative of culture. We live in a world that justifies that heart attitude, that consumer mindset that says, no, you should be focused on numero uno, on me. And what happens is then we go through our day looking for people, places, things, experiences that might satisfy me. And how many know once you do it once and it doesn't work, you'll just do it again? Meaning, well, I think that this will satisfy me. I'll consume that, but it kind of faded now. So I got to consume that. And we get into this endless cycle of consumption. It's all about me. Now, here's the good news. Because of Jesus, we don't have to live there any longer. I said because of Jesus, we do not have to live a life of consumption, but we can live brand new. Don't you see? That's why the Ten Commandments reveal the Christian life. All throughout this series, we are discovering ways that we might swim against the stream of culture. I want to be a salmon. I want to be someone that goes upstream while everybody else is taking the easy ride right down the river. 
I, I want to say no. If everyone else is living as a consumer, then how might I live because of Jesus? And we're going to talk about that this morning. But before we talk about us, it's way better to talk about other people, isn't it? Come on. You can laugh there. That's why some of you got to work on the gossip thing. We're going to work on that. But let's talk about the Israelites for a second. Then we'll talk about us. People of Israel, who the commandment was given directly to, and yet we know it's for us because Jesus elevates it and says, no, it's for everybody. So a little bit of history. The people of Israel were freed from Egyptian slavery. They were there for 400 years. They crossed the Red Sea. They disobey God. We read about that in the first command, the second command where they make the golden calf. And the consequence for their disobedience is now 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And after that time, they enter the promised land. And the first city that stands in their way of the promised land is the city of Jericho. Everyone say Jericho. Jericho. The, if you've seen Veggie Tales, you know this story, right? The little grapes are up on the wall. You will not get in here, right? They, they're, under the, they're French. You, you should see it. It's good. I grew up, I'm a product of Sunday school, everybody. Veggie Tales shaped my theology. And so they're, they're, there's no way you're going to get through our, our walls. And God gives them a battle plan, and it's a weird one. He doesn't say march in with with warfare and weapons. He says, march around with worship. And so they go around the city for six days and then on the seventh, boom, that thing comes crashing down. It's victorious. The first battle that the Israelites win, they didn't have to fight their way in. They just had to walk in because God gave it to them. But God also gave them a clear command for that city. He said, everything in that city is to be devoted to destruction because he wanted them to know that the practices of the people of Jericho would not be carried with them into the promised land. He said, destroy it all. All the good stuff you see, get rid of it. Except he does say, the silver, the gold, the bronze, you're gonna retain that for the treasury of the Lord's house. In other words, destroy it all, but dedicate the rest to the Lord. He's given them a good battle plan again. And so Israel does that, so they think. And then they're faced with the next city, the city of Ai, at least that's how I'm going to say it. In fact, say it with me. Say Ai, come on. Ai, it's, it's spelled A-I, so I really don't know how to say that city. I just figured that's a lot of fun to say. And they get to this next city, and they recognize by sending in spies, it's way smaller than Jericho, way smaller. The spies come back and say, yo, Josh, we only got to send in a couple people for this one. We took Jericho. This one's not a problem. It's small. Don't, don't waste the whole army on this. And Josh goes, all right, cool. Send them in. And they lose devastatingly. Like this is a blow to the people of Israel. This is their first loss. And they don't understand. By size, they should have had it. There should have been nothing preventing their victory over this city. And Joshua begins to cry out to the Lord. He falls down on his knees. He's crying, what is going on? You gave us Jericho. And why couldn't we take this smaller city? And I want you to see the words that God says to him. Joshua chapter seven, verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, I love this. Stand up. What are you doing on your face? How many are grateful that sometimes God just says it as it is? Maybe he's saying this to you today. Maybe there's a situation that you're crying out to him. I don't understand why this is taking place in my life. I don't understand why I'm going through all this. God is saying, just stand up for a second. Let me talk to you. And here's what he says. Israel has say the word with me, sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have, what's the word there? Stolen. Eighth commandment. They've lied. They've put them, meaning the devoted things, with their own possessions. 
That, he says in verse 12, that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God's just saying like, I gave you the instructions here. I gave you a clear plan. Go into the city. You didn't even have to fight to take it. I gave it to you. Destroy this stuff. But somebody had a consumer mindset in that group. So God says this, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves, which means set yourself apart in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemy until you remove them. And you know what today is for us, guys? It's a day where God's saying, let's remove the things that need to be removed from our lives so that we might stand up and do battle with the enemy on the east end of Long Island. Like, let's make sure there's nothing in our lives or in Blaze Church. Let's get rid of the consumer mindset. Let's get rid of the stealing heart so that God might use us. I'm preaching now so that God might use us to break down some spiritual walls in Riverhead and Southampton and Brookhaven and the east end of Long Island. But he says, you can't stand if that stuff's there. You can't expect for me to be with you if you're not living my plan. So here's what he says, verse 14. In the morning, (laughs) present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses will come forward, clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses come forward, family by family. The family the Lord chooses shall come forward, man by man. Could you just imagine, Josh, if we did this today? Could could you imagine everybody? And we said, okay, God has spoken. Palmary family, come on up. Nope, not you. Sit down. Silverbergs, where are you at? Come on up. Nope, not you. Pilates, come. That's what's taking place in Israel right now. And we may look at it as, man, that's, that's hard. That's harsh. Isn't it gracious that God is saying, we want to remove the sin so that you might have victory in your life? Isn't it God saying, we need to to remove the sin to turn away the wrath of God that is against the people of Israel in this moment so that they might experience the salvation and the power of God. So God says this, do that. And then verse 15, whoever is caught with the devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord He's done an outrageous thing in Israel. Do you think God's a little bit upset right now? Maybe a little. I'd say a lot. But at the same time, don't you see that he's justified in his anger? He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. And sin cannot stand in the camp. See, somebody in Israel took and hid the plunder and kept the information from the rest of the tribe. Wouldn't you say that that person had a consumer mindset as that person walked into Jericho? And God has revealed his heart through the Ten Commandments. Do not steal. Do not make it all about you. Someone in the tribe made an all about me decision. So Joshua obeys the command of the Lord. And the next morning, we see the tribes come, the clans come, the families come. Everyone's coming forward. And finally, a man named Achan steps up. And here's what Achan says. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. He confesses. When I saw the plund- in the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. 
They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Maybe for you, a beautiful robe from Babylonia isn't your thing. You're not into bars of gold, although today it wouldn't be too bad, right? <laughs> and shekels and all that. So let's, let's find ourselves here. Where is it that you and I have a consumer mindset? And honestly, if that's our heart, it's going to be everywhere we go. We're going to be consumers when we come to church. We're going to be consumers at our jobs, at our homes, on the road. We're going to think it's all about me. And we're going to take and hide without regard to anybody else. And that's what Achan did. Notice his consumer mindset. When he went into Jericho, the whole tribe went in. I'll say the whole dream team went in that day with a clear directive, destroy it all. And he went in saying, oh, I'm not here to serve others. I'm here to take for me. Now, maybe he didn't go in with that, but maybe once he saw there was something there that could satisfy him, his mission changed from the dream team to an individualized mission to say, ah, how can I be served? He didn't think about the team and he didn't realize his actions would impact others. Don't miss that. The first thing that we do see from Achan is this, stealing is first a sin against the Lord before it's a sin against another person. Guys, let's, let's be honest this morning. If you think that your consuming mindset, that your consuming attitude is only affecting you and you're justifying the way you're living and saying, it's really just, it's just me. No, first it's against the Lord. The life of a follower of Christ, a believer, a Christian, we recognize that a consumer attitude combats what the Lord calls us to. King David made the same declaration when the prophet Nathan said, you've sinned in your murder and your adultery. He said, I sinned against the Lord. See, this matters because if we justify it as a Christian, we need to understand, no, we're hurting the Lord. And here's what ends up taking place. Achan and his family pay the price for that sin. They all die. They take Achan, his family, and he dies. And the stuff is burned so that the wrath of God that was against the people of Israel could be turned away from them and they could have victory. Don't miss this. One man dies, Achan, for his own sin so that the entire nation might be blessed and the sin is removed. Here's the good news for you and I today. One man died in our place to turn away the wrath of God from us so that we might be forgiven and experience the blessing of God. Unlike Achan, when you and I sin, we have another who steps in our place and says, I'll die for them. They will not receive the wrath of God, the righteous, justified wrath. Now, if you reject the gift of eternal life for Jesus, what you are saying is, I'll pay the price for my own sin. But you don't have to do that today. The good news is that you and I, with our consuming attitude and our, our theft and our greediness, all of that, Jesus says, I'll die for you. In fact, the Gospel Transformation Bible says this. I love it. Both Achan and Jesus were executed to turn away God's wrath. But in a breathtaking act of substitution, we sinners deserving the fate of Achan are freely forgiven and welcomed into God's family because Jesus, our representative head, has paid for our sins. Can we give him a good shout of praise right now that he has paid the price for our sins? He did it. Jesus did it because he loves you and he loves me. It's the gospel. So then, if we've been made new, 
If he paid the price so that you and I no longer live as consumers, how should we live? Should we go on stealing? Should we go on showing up places thinking it's all about me? No. Let me show you some passages from the New Testament that clearly tell us instead how we are to live. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Notice when you're focused on the good of others, when your hands are doing good, it's kind of impossible to steal and be a consumer in that moment. Isn't it hard to think about you when you're thinking about someone else, when you're doing good with your hands? See, as believers, we don't carry the it's all about me attitude any longer. And, and at the same time, it's not enough to just not steal because maybe you're checking that box off. You You got the whole 10 commandments and you're like, man, I'm doing great. I'm not, I'm not stealing. The question is not, are you not stealing according to the New Testament? It's have you activated your hands to do something good? Don't let that go by too fast. It's not enough to just not be a consumer. You and I need to change our hands into something else. Or I should say it this way, Jesus changes our hands into doing something else. Jesus moves us. And very clearly, here's what it is. Here's what Paul's saying. We go from a consumer to a contributor with our hands. That's doing something good. It's helping somebody. It's showing up tomorrow at your job and saying, I'm gonna use these hands to be a contributor to the company, to my coworkers. It's going home and saying, I'm gonna contribute to my home, to my neighborhood. It's coming here and saying, I'm gonna be on the dream team. I'm gonna use my hands for good. Joe read this quote and I'm gonna read it to you. I almost said I read this quote. I I read this quote this morning. (laughs) The solution to stealing is a habit of generosity. Stealing is valuing a possession over a person. Generosity is valuing a person over their possessions. See, we're generous because Christ was generous. Show me in scripture where Jesus said, wash my feet, feed me, serve me. Our servant king was just that, a servant. In fact, he declares the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to ultimately give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus washed the feet of his friends and his betrayer. He didn't pick and choose who he was going to contribute to. That will mess with you. It messes with me because we can keep elevating this. You might say, okay, fine. I'll contribute. I'll serve people that are like me, that vote the same as me, that share my same views in life serve and contribute to people who are not like me? Where could we, where could we look to to get that example? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. If you want to fight the attitude of stealing in your heart, activate your hands in service. That's it right there. You want to know how we don't violate the eighth commandment? We recognize it's not just enough not to steal. We need to do something useful with our hands. We, we need to serve. We need to make a difference. So what's the easiest way for you and I to get started on this? Well, here at Blaze Church, it's the Dream Team. The Dream Team is a group of people, over 70 adults right now at Blaze Church, 
who in some way have chosen to activate their hands to do something useful in serving others. And not just on a weekend service, our small group leaders, our outreach team, people who are reaching their community, who are serving. I want to highlight somebody who doesn't even know I was going to highlight them. We got George sitting over here. Everyone clap for George right now. He doesn't like this. 11 o'clock. I want you clapping on the video right now for George. He was here. And George, I honor you and I thank you for using your hands. George has been a part of the church, really the first person through Blaze Church to give their life to Jesus and be water baptized and be transformed by the gospel and went from a, cons a consumer to a contributor. And he would tell you that. And now every week, George goes scrapping to look for metal and uses that money to support Maureen's Haven right here in the community for homeless ministry. I love showing up every other month and I see the flowers are changed by our sign. Please don't give me the credit. That's George. I don't know anything about flowers and colors. But George is always thinking, how can I contribute? How can I make a difference with my hands? How can I do something good? It's a contributor mindset. And here's the good news. Every single one of us can make a difference. Every one of us can in some way. And we're called to. It's Bible to serve. Don't take my words, the words of Paul, Galatians chapter six. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to, what does it say? All people, and look at this, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Actually, actually what what Paul is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is your serving should be a priority first at church to the family of believers. Especially, don't neglect what's going on to those who are believers, your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Look for ways to serve and make a difference. And that's why we care about the dream team. And that's why serving on the dream team creates a consistent rhythm, a pattern. It's a mindset shift that you know every week I'm going to activate these hands to do something good. And we got beautiful people on our dream team and we asked them, tell us why you serve. Explain to us what team you serve on and why you make a difference. And we got some responses. And I want you to take a look at the screen now as we show you what our dream team members had to say of why they make a difference. Go ahead and take a look. Hi, Blaine's fam. My name is Ashley and I serve on the kids team. I teach children about Jesus. I welcome new families and I also serve as one of its team captains. I choose to serve because I believe I'm called to love others just as Jesus loves me, which is a very sacrificial kind of love. And to me, that means not taking my time and my talents and hoarding them all to myself but using them as a blessing to serve others. And if you're not currently serving, I truly believe that you're missing out on special opportunities to experience true joy from making an eternal impact in other people's lives. I promise that when you choose to serve, it is easily one of the most humbling and most rewarding decisions that you could ever make. Hey Blaze Church, my name is Tom and I serve on the production team here. And I get to make a difference because I make sure that we all have the words for our worship songs and the words for our preaching message. The reason why I serve on the Dream Team is because I know what a joy there is when we're serving others. So if you're not serving yet on the Dream Team, I just want to encourage you, come on board and serve with us here at Blaze Church. Hi Blaze family, my name is Dave. I serve on the Welcome Team. I serve on the Welcome Team because I just love to see people's faces coming in every week. I like to get to know people. I like to encourage people and I like to pick people to feel like they're at home. If you want to get connected, get involved, meet people, be part of a bigger thing than yourself, and you'll really enjoy it. 
Hey guys, my name is Josh and I serve on the worship team here at Blaze Church. I get to make a difference by playing keyboard and sometimes guitar as part of our Sunday morning worship services. Uh, to me, there's nothing like getting to come together and worship Jesus together as a church family. If you're not serving on the dream team yet, I really encourage you to hop on and be a part. You'll be filled with so much joy and you'll be so fulfilled when you do. What's up, Blaze family? My name is Miguel, and I serve on the setup team as well as the teardown team for Blaze. And how I make a difference on those teams is I help set up a clean and safe environment for our guests as well as their children so that we have an area to fellowship and grow our relationships with Christ. And then after service is done, pack it all up until the following week. I choose to serve because I call Blaze my home. And I take pride and joy and being able to take care of home. I would say if you're not serving, what do you have to lose? There is so much to gain in being a contributing factor to your church's success and your church's ability to serve the community and really be a beacon of God's love for everyone. So come join us. Hi Blaze family, my name is Amanda and I have the privilege of serving on Blaze Kids team. I make a difference by helping kids learn and grow in their relationship with Jesus, learning how much God loves them and all about God's kingdom in a fun and safe space. Why do I serve? Because as a mom of two myself, I found such joy in seeing how much joy and fun my kids had with all of those serving on Blaze Kids team, and I wanted to be a part of it. If you have yet to serve on our dream team, I encourage you, take a step, find out what you enjoy and what will bring you joy as you serve and you build God's kingdom here at Blaze Family. Hello, Peter Podlis. I serve on the dream team as an usher. And basically that means I greet you and no matter what, I will find you a seat. Now, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, you go to McDonald's, big line, waiting for that egg McMuffin, all of a sudden you show up five minutes late, don't worry about it, I'm gonna find you a seat. On the other hand, let's say you had an extra pancake, right? And now all of a sudden you walk in, it's 10 minutes late. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna find you a seat. So one thing about being an usher, it's a great job. Give it a try because the motto is, we always find you a seat. Hey Blaze Church, my name is Keith and I absolutely love serving on the Dream Team. You know, we believe that every person was created on purpose for a purpose. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit has given you unique gifts so that you might serve Christ, serve others, and make a difference. And here at Blaze Church, we are so excited to share that we have created a growth track so that you might join the dream team. Get ready to experience all the joy that comes in serving others. God bless you. Come on, can we celebrate our dream team? Everybody stand up with me. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. Worship team, you can join me right now. And hey, I want you to grab a card that you have on that chair. Hold it up. I'm gonna make sure everybody's holding up a card. Everybody got hold up a card. 11 o'clock right now, I can see you on that video. Hold up the card. So we are excited because we have something brand new that we're announcing today. And you got the card in your hand. It's our growth track. And this really is an easy, accessible, online, on-demand video module system 
where you can learn all about Blaze Church, who we are as a church, our beliefs, our mission, our values, our leadership, all of it, and ultimately discover how you might make a difference on the Dream Team. I'm so excited about this. As you go through growth track, you're gonna find out your personality type through some assessments. You're gonna find out your spiritual gifts, how God has made and wired you to make a difference on the Dream Team. It's not just about the Dream Team though. So if you're already serving, don't throw this card out. In fact, we've got Blaze Family boxes in the back and we've had 10 people already pick up their Blaze Family box and there's a mug in there, or a journal in there, or a little pen. Everybody is invited and I'm encouraging everybody to go through the growth track especially if you're not serving on the dream team yet. And so I want you to take this card home with you. Don't leave it behind. And this week, I want you to visit blazechurch.org slash growth track. You can scan the little QR code. It'll bring you right there and start the journey of discovering your purpose. Learn what it means to make a difference. I'm so thankful that the church is way bigger than just these hands. You should be thankful about that because if it's just rose and fall on me, we'd be in a lot of trouble, everybody. You can say amen there. It's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. Jesus said he will build his church. It's his. And Peter says that we are living stones being put together. So think of that. Our chief cornerstone, Jesus, everything rests on him, the foundation. And now we get to be living stones that come together to be the church of Jesus Christ. I think Joe did a great job today putting this thing together. Can we clap for him right now? Joe, thank you for this. Thank you for the opportunity to preach it in this way. But listen to our heart as a team here, a preaching team and a leadership team. We don't want you to miss out on what it means to make a difference. Be on the dream team. For some of you, you're serving on the dream team and today might be a reminder to say, here's why I do it. Every week I fight that consumer attitude. I leave here and I know I was a contributor at church. I'm gonna be a contributor on the road, at my job, at my home. Let me ask you a few questions. When you showed up today, did you come with a consumer mindset or a contributor mindset? In fact, when Joe sang that first song, was your response was, oh, I don't like this one. Or maybe it was, oh, I love this. This is my favorite. Do you know both responses has you at the center? When you showed up, did you think, who's gonna serve me? I hope the air's not too cold. I hope the coffee's hot. I hope there's something for my kids. All of those thoughts can easily creep into our hearts. And I'm just saying, you can show up next week and say, who am I gonna serve? If you don't like the way the coffee's made, join the coffee team and make it yourself, somebody. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just having a little fun. It's okay to laugh. But really, make a difference on the dream team. Serve set up, tear down, serve with our kids. I mean, there's something for everybody. That's what we believe. Everyone was created on purpose for a purpose and God has a plan for your life. So what we're gonna do now is I'm gonna pray that our hearts would be stirred, not with guilt, but oh, with the grace of God, because Jesus stood in the way for us to absorb the wrath of God so we might be made new. So we don't have to live as consumers anymore. We can be contributors. And I'm gonna pray that you take this card with you, you go home and you start the journey of joining the dream team. And beyond that, get into growth track. I promise you, you're gonna love it. And you're gonna love sipping some coffee out of a Blaze family mug as well next week once you get that. Bow your heads with me, let's pray. And then our team's gonna lead us in some more songs of worship. Father, I thank you that this morning is an appointed day by you that you have a plan for our lives. And God, you knew about this day long before we did. 
You knew that we needed to hear this message in a culture that constantly says consume and take in really a stealing attitude. You say live different, be a contributor, love and serve and give. May we leave this space today knowing there is such joy in doing something useful with our hands. May we be creative in the ways that we serve our community. May the dream team grow as we continue to reach people with the message of Jesus so that all might come to know who you are. In Jesus' name, and we all said a good amen. Amen. Come on, let's give them our best praise this morning one more time.